me tell you what styling is. The perfect session. A-frame wave, ground swell, spitting out salt water in your face, doing a 360 without a bounce. I call it the consciousness razor. Mitchell's life was a California dream. <laughs> Until he woke up in Cincinnati. What do you think? It's wild, right? We're just so excited about having you here. Slow down a little bit, Wiley. Hands on ten and two. His cousin wants him to meet his friends. You. Where do I know you from? You used to uh, flush my head in the urinals. <laughs> They're an interesting bunch. I could be Elvis. It's possible. I really like to sleep, and I like Nintendo. They all want Mitchell to feel right at home. And if it wasn't for Nikki. How are you? You must be getting pretty homesick, huh? Not right now. He'd have no reason to stay. Man, I'm going to throw up. For the next six months, his days of sun, <gasps> sand, and surf <laughs> have been put on ice. Oh, see you in school. In a city where no one understands him. I need traffic, smog, heat waves. Who would have thought he'd become a hero? by doing what he does best. We've been challenged by the prep to a little skating race. We thought maybe you'd, you know, want to skate in our team. No. He has one chance to prove himself. One final race to win. And he's the one who has what it takes to put them over the top. Airborne. I think I'm starting to like Cincinnati. Le ole es mia. The wave is mine. Here to pick you up in our personal limousines, it's Kevin and Jim. How are you, Jim? Hey, I'm good, man. It's a fun week. Ghost got a great reception. I'm excited about that. People rekindling their love for a movie that made us both equally cry. Ditto. Ah! <laughs> we started this season with a BMX movie that was important to Jim growing up. And for our last regular episode of the season's week season, we cover a movie that was way too important to me as an 11 and 12 year old. This movie was my everything. I played street hockey every day. I wanted to go down devil's backbone. Just take a look at my profile pic on Twitter and Instagram. I'm a little fat kid with rollerblades and a mighty ducks hat. Totally into airborne. I would have had an airborne Mitchell Goosen hat if I could have. <laughs> Can you imagine if there was a Mitchell Goosen hat? That'd be sweet. I'm surprised they didn't do anything sort of like a marketing like goose and rollerblades. Yeah, because it is a he does have the atypical 1995 ESPN Extreme Games ultimate name Mitchell Goosen. The movie this week, of course, we just mentioned in 1993's Airborne, a fish out of water tale of a California surfer dude who must go live with his cousin in Cincinnati, Ohio, just south of us, about five hours roughly yeah. here in Ohio. We measure distance in time which I guess is weird to people in other regions. They are weirded out if I don't say it's 300 miles south of us. No, we either go by some sort of weird hour time designation. Yeah, how far are you from that? 60 miles is what other people would say. We would say one hour. Yeah, or, or the Canadians will be like, oh, it's about a couple kilometers away. A couple kilometers. Yep. Yeah. 
I just watched uh, Brink, which is on Disney Plus, and I a little too old to really ever get into Brink. But the funny thing about Brink is that was a movie that people always like our age always sought out at like horror conventions and like bootlegs. And I've stuff. never, I've never heard of it. So it was a made-for-Disney movie with rollerblading. Okay, this team Soul Skaters. Yeah, they just they do downhill racing and stuff. The villain in the movie is Spike from Little Giants. All right. And uh, I don't remember what their team's called, but literally the end of the movie, the final race is like devil's backbone. Oh, hell yeah, dude. So it's like a, a rip off five years later after right. Airborne. So as far as Airborne, most critics wrote this one off as a kid's movie or Nickelodeon fair, which it pretty much is. But I know a bunch of people who grew up on this movie still hold it dear to their hearts. Again, I love this movie. Yeah, I totally Unashamed, agree. completely love this It's movie. a fun movie. You can't take it seriously. It's like rad. You yeah. can't go anything logic into it, even though we will dive into logic, but just kick back and have fun with Airborne. It's great. In fact, at the end of 2018, I had an opportunity to hang out with Seth Green briefly. This was one night through mutual friends. I yeah. told him that Airborne was one of my favorite movies, and he said, I don't hear that very often, but... I would hope so. He was really sweet. He was very down to earth. He was a super like cool dude. And the first thing I said to him was the airborne was one of my favorite movies. Therefore, I didn't have a whole lot else to say to him. Yeah. I mean, what else can you say to Seth Green? This movie also, uh, as much as I love it, wasn't aware that it had such a horrendous tagline. Jim, do you know what it is? What's the tagline? The world's only rock and rollerblade movie. <laughs> Where is there any rock crazy. and rollerblade in this movie? I have no idea. Yeah, I'm not aware of any rocking and rolling. Jim, I'm fully aware of the budget and box office or lack thereof for this movie, but please tell our listeners along with what was happening at the time of release in 1993. Airborne came out two days, Kevin, whopping two days after my 12th birthday, September 17th, 1993. To a budget of 2.6 million. And to put this into perspective, Ghost had a $22 million budget and it made over $500 million. And it ended up making $483 million between budget and box office. Airborne made approximately $300,000 more, ended up making only $2.9 million at the box office. So that was not enough for a sequel. Not enough for a sequel. Even though we do want a sequel, it did not happen. And in the news, a lot of people reached out and they wanted to know more about Dartman. Now, I brought up Dartman last week. He was responsible for a lot of dart attacks in and around New York in 1990. So here's a little background on Dartman. Jerome Wright, 33 of the Bronx, was arrested after being identified as the Dartman. Not Dartman. It's a different thing. Like Batman, the Batman. Yeah, it's different. He's not the Dartman, and he's, you know, Dartman. In a lineup by three women Wednesday night, police said, he was charged with three counts of each of reckless endangerment, criminal possession of a weapon, and harassment. Criminal possession of a weapon? Yeah, a, a, a darts. A fucking darts, apparently. There's so much here. They said the chief of police indicated to us that he has been under observation for psychiatric problems. I would hope so. Oh, it's not not okay to stab people with darts. Stab or throw darts at people. We, we're not really clear. Yeah, they don't really go into elaboration if he literally lined up and went 
Or he just went stabby He's not McGee. Like, uh, Roberto from Futurama. Not at all. Just my stabbing. It also says Wright was on probation until 1992 for a drug conviction. He works in the area as a messenger and mailroom clerk. Okay. So that makes perfect sense. The majority of the attacks took place in and around Penn Station and Times Square. Many around lunchtime. So if you're going to Sabaro for a slice, you might be getting a fucking dart to your head. I, I need to know more about this. 18 darts were recovered and tests showed none was tainted. That's good. So that's good. It wasn't dipping them in any, anything. Not at all. None of the women suffered serious physical injury, but the odd attacks had women looking over their shoulders for several weeks and thousands started wearing slacks. I'm I'm glad that Tinder didn't exist at the time because this guy would have went on Tinder dates and been like, you look a lot like I want to stab you with a dart. This is what I don't get, though. Thousands started wearing slacks. What the fuck with that? Is he throwing them at their legs? Maybe. Are they saying the power of Hagar slacks is going to deflect a dart? End this podcast and start a, making a dart man documentary. <laughs> but speaking of something that should have been a mysterious, like what the hell's happening? Dartman should have been on the X-Files because the X-Files were created in September of 1993, as well as Toss Salads and Scrambled Eggs. Wow. wow. Frasier both debuted in 1993, and the CD that I bought with my own money as a 12-year-old, Naughty by Nature, 1993. Shout it out. And uh, X-Files has come back a couple times in a couple forms. Isn't Frasier coming back? Am I crazy? Let me tell you something. I just watched the movie Money Plane with Kelsey Grammer, Denise Richards, and Adam Copeland, a.k.a. Edge. All I can say is, wow. Yeah. Kelsey Grammer, what the fuck yeah. are we doing with your... Th- I hope somebody came to him and said, hey, Kelsey, how about we bring Frazier back? Let's let's center you again, because <laughs> I think that needs to happen. Bring back Niles, too. Let's have the whole family, except I don't think John Mahoney's alive anymore. I don't know. Probably not. The dog or Daphne. Yeah. Why not? Bring it back. I loved Frasier. Frasier was a good show because it came off of Cheers, and Cheers is one of my favorite of all time. Hey, George, how's Oda May? Or better yet, how's Sam Wheat? Good evening, everybody. I'm George Michael, and welcome to The Sports Machine. Would have been great if you used those pipes to say, Sam Wheat is great. <laughs> Sliding into first base, Hemweed. And you know, with this being a Cleveland sports-centric podcast, Kevin, the Cleveland Indians win their last game at the Old Muni, beating the Brewers 6-4. Crew Stadium last game was this prior Saturday. Sent it off in style. And then uh, July 3rd, they open up the new account at the new facility. Dude, I can't wait. I'm so excited to go down to see the crew play in a new stadium. Thank God they're still going to be called the crew. Thank God they're still going to be the same colors. All I can say is thank God for the Nordeca. It proves that fans do have a voice when it comes to their team. Nolan Ryan, at age 46, pitches his final game for the Texas Rangers. We all remember Nolan Ryan beating the hell out of Robin Ventura. Uh, that's, that's, I don't care how many no hitters he had or whatever. The best Nolan Ryan highlight is being an old man grabbing a headlock and beating on Robin Ventura. Oh, the headlock. It was so legendary. It's iconic. Plus, people realize Nolan Ryan is one of the greatest pitchers of all time. He threw seven no hitters, for Christ's sake. Yeah, don't care. I care more about the seven <laughs> punches that Robin Ventura's had. Kevin and I just got done playing golf before we recorded and speaking of golf the Ryder Cup took place at the Belfry right around this time in 1993 we Kevin the Americans beat Europe 15 to 13 with one of my favorite golfers of all time the best golf name ever 
Davis Love the Third. Yep. Secures victory for the U.S. beating Constantino Roca of Italy on the 18th one up. The number one movie in America around this time of September 1993, The Fugitive, starring Harrison I didn't Ford. kill my wife. I don't care. This uh, That was about Sam Shepard, who was a professional wrestler. Really? He was a professional. I never knew he was a pro wrestler. He was a doctor and a professional wrestler. He, based on his history as a doctor, he invented the mandible claw. That still is a great movie. I remember The Fugitive was one of those DVDs that would come in like a pack of four or five yeah. if you got a $500 Toshiba DVD player at Circuit yeah, City. It was the, uh, the BMG columbia house equivalent for dvds the original Snapcase dvds yeah. fugitive i i'd like to watch it because i don't know how it holds up i don't think it was that great at the time but and there was the sequel u.s marshals that was a sequel that to was the, the direct sequel to the fugitive was harrison ford in it? no he was not i'm He's, trying to remember i still didn't kill my wife i still don't care no tommy lee jones was in it again but it was uh, okay. a All new right. thing it was about him so kevin we have a new segment in the news this week my favorite video store growing up was First Row Video. So here are your First Row Video new release VHS movies oh. for the weeks. September 17th, 1993. CB4. Great. The Crush. El Mariachi. Fathers and Sons. Map of the Human Heart. No Place to Hide. Children of the Corn 2. The Final Sacrifice. Eden 3. Fire in the Sky, which Ooh. freaked me the hell out as a kid. Ooh, that's a good one. And Polar Opposite, Emilio Estevez, Samuel L. Jackson, National Lampoon's Loaded Weapon 1. There were some there in the middle that I don't really know. No idea. After I don't El know. Mariachi, there were like three that I was like, I Fathers and Sons, Map of the Human Heart, No Place to Hide. Map of the Human Heart? I hope it literally is David Abro going, <laughs> this is the aorta. Yeah. <laughs> Your number one rented video games at first row video jurassic park for the nintendo entertainment system street fighter 2 hyper fighting for okay. the snes jurassic park for sega genesis is that's mainly yeah. what i played it on and for sega cd kevin echo the dolphin yeah yes. one of the best game soundtracks of all time the number that's one selling toy in the september of 93 the talk boy hi kids we're home early Tiger's new Talkboy tape recorder comes with audio cassette. Oh, okay. The Talkboy, it's right here on the shelf. The number one song in America, Kevin, Dream Lover, Mariah Carey. Okay. It's when she was still the girl next door. And that's all that was going on around September of 1993. All right, let's liquid Drano wannabe Bullwinkle into the plot. A liquid Drano wannabe Bullwinkle. Or consciousness razor. I tell you no lie, my friends. It's a consciousness razor. Into the plot if you watched the trailer because the weird, like... It's some, a trailer. Sometimes you watch a trailer. Sometimes you see the DVD or VHS artwork and there's like scenes that aren't in the movie. Yeah. You see that, like, Dazed and Confused, there's a scene on the DVD cover back, not in the movie. In the trailer for Airborne, it says, I call it, it's like a, a 360 with no bounce. I call it a consciousness razor. But in the movie, <laughs> it's a 360 with no bounce. I call it Liquid Drano, wannabe Bullwinkle. So weird. Mitchell Goosen 
is a California surfer kid. Mitchell Guzan, at your service. Uh, I'm not from around here. Hey. What to tell? Well, I don't have any stories. Don't know what I want to be when I grow up. Don't care. Just as long as I live near the beach and don't have to wear a tie. Then I'll be styled. The filmmakers leaned into this stereotype with slang and style and so on. Like, give me a couple bean burritos and an otter pop and I'm fine. Like, this stereotype. Yes. Mitchell's parents are both zoologists. They receive a grant to spend six months working in Australia. Mitchell is one stoked bro. He's going to hit the biggest waves ever. He's going to go surf the South Pacific coast. Except, bruh, he's not going. Mitchell's being shipped off to military school with the goddamn Finkelstein shit, kid. No, Mitchell's getting shipped off to... That's from uh, one of the Cheech and Chong movies. Oh, damn. So Mitchell's getting shipped off to finish the school year with his aunt and uncle in Cincinnati. Cincinnati, Ohio, that is, not... Cincinnati, Australia? Yeah. Don't be confused with that. He's gonna go. He's like, great, skyline chili. Hell yeah. Chili on top of spaghetti. You couldn't pay me to eat Skyline Chili. Sorry, Cincinnati fans, but let's be honest. It's the worst regional food there is. There's people from Cincinnati born and raised eating that shit. We'll even tell you it's pure shit. It's gross chili on top of spaghetti. Mitchell arrives during a winter storm and meets his quirky cousin, Wiley. There are some obstacles on his first day of school. Mitchell's hockey team classmates instantly give him a hard time about his California vibe. Mitchell and Wiley are asked to join the hockey team when two players are suspended in the game against the school's rival, the preps. I'm not even sure we know the name of Mitchell's high school. And I don't think they ever say it. And I don't think the preps have a school name. I'm pretty sure they don't either. Mitchell scores on a wicked slap shot into the wrong goal. (laughs) Nice shot. You scored for the other team. It was like the end of the world for them. Yeah. Mitchell's gaffe secures his fate as the target of bullying for the foreseeable future. Over the next few weeks, Mitchell and Wiley's lives are subject to relentless harassment and pranks. But Mitchell meets a girl named Nikki. This should have been on our romantic couples Mount Rushmore during last week's episode because Nikki makes Mitchell forget all of his problems. Are you okay? How are you? I'm fine. How are you? Um, just a little spill. No big deal. Well, you know, you'll have to learn to be more careful on those things because they're dangerous if you don't know what you're doing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'll be careful from now on. Thanks. Hey, what are you doing right now? And he picks her up in his personal limousine. She's worth it, bro. However, Mitchell still screws it all up. What I didn't mention is that Mitchell's biggest adversary happens to be Nikki's brother, Jack. While out on a double date, one of the preps named Blaine starts an altercation. (laughs) Chocolate stain Blaine. So Mitchell's on a date with Nikki, his cousin Wiley. Nikki brings a friend. Nikki's friend Gloria. Is it Gloria used to date Blaine or Nikki used to date Blaine? I don't know. It's one or the other. But uh, so Blaine starts trying to dance with Gloria, starts a whole fight. Mitchell tries to defuse the situation in a pacifist manner. He wants to settle this over a basket of fries. Jack intervenes to stand up for his sister since Mitchell won't fight Blaine. And Wiley gets hurt during all of this and Mitchell still won't fight. Blaine leaves, then it's Jack challenging Mitchell to a fight, so it goes for, it's like the triple threat. Pretty much. Blaine leaves, but then it's between Jack and Mitchell. Mitchell's response is to tell Jack, 
you ain't worth it, bro. Exactly. That there's nothing or no one worth fighting for in Cincinnati since he's leaving in three months. Three months, Jack. I wouldn't give two left testicles about your school, your hockey team. Yeah, anyways. Nikki obviously doesn't take this well. She kind of like, what about me? What What about about Raven? Raven? Mitchell has a dream about a shark named Peppy, and everything becomes crystal clear now about what he must do. Let Olas Mia, the wave is is mine. He shows up to play against the preps in street hockey and is miraculously good at hockey now. Again, Blaine challenges Mitchell to a fight. Mitchell acts scared, but instead, D pantses Blaine, which draws a huge laugh from everyone there. He's wearing a jock strap. Yes, except for Jack, who Jack just doesn't care. He, he doesn't break kayfabe. He lost the smile. Some of the hockey team shows up at Mitchell's house to tell him that they were wrong about him, and they tell him that they need his rollerblading skills in a race against the preps at a place called Devil's Backbone. <gasps> in this part, we do get a great performance from my buddy Seth Green, who says he like coughs, and then he's like, Where's the race? Devil's Backbone. We'd have a better chance if you were with us. What's Devil's Backbone? Oh, yeah, it's only the most dangerous hill in the whole town. Geez, the last guy who even tried to walk down that hill, he just got so messed up, he forgot who he was. I saw him. He pins in his head and his, ugh. The last guy that tried to walk down that hill, he doesn't remember his, his name. His face is all, ugh. Mitchell competes in the gnarly, dangerous race where he helps his team defeat the preps as he crosses the finish line with Jack after he maybe commits manslaughter against Blaine. He shares a kiss with Nikki as the movie ends, and then he probably goes back to California and forgets who Nikki is, and she forgets him because he wishes they could all be California girls. The funny thing about Devil's Backbone, if you take the traffic away, yeah, not scary at all. It's, it's like, the traffic. So there's a, a lot of people, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, I'm sure, but there's a lot of people online who have taken the time to actually map out Devil's Backbone and give you like the GPS coordinates. It actually goes from Kentucky into Ohio. It's like an eight-mile race. And again, yeah, you take out the traffic. I don't know how scary it is. Question is, Kevin, I think we might have to do Devil's Backbone. That'd be awesome. How sweet would that be? I mean, probably in a car. I'm not doing it on a fucking bike because I almost died on a bike already. On rollerblades. Oh, shit. Fuck. Hell no. All right. Let's get into characters. We have Shane McDermott as Mitchell Goosen has never been in another movie. This was it. <laughs> this is one and done. Hey, nothing wrong with that. I almost tried to build our pool check this week around one hit wonders because I'm like Shane McDermott, one hit wonder. He's fantastic in this movie. Never in anything else. I did try to DM him just in case he would read it. Nah, no response. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah, he's on Instagram. Yeah. He shares pictures from the airborne set all the time. <sighs> At least, you know, he loves that movie. Oh yeah. It's like Bill Allen with rad. Mm-hmm. He's so proud of it. Seth Green as Wiley Metzner. Brittany Powell as Nikki. Chris Conrad is Jack. He's been in a bunch of stuff. Edie McClurg is Irene Metzner. She's in everything. She's in everything. Patrick O'Brien is Louis Metzner. He's in everything. Oh, are you limping? Oh, Lordy, Lord, Lord. What in the name of Buddha happened to you boys? Jack Black as Jose Augusto Rafael de la Parra. Why? I don't know. But he goes as Augie. Alana Ubach or Ubach. I don't know how you say her last name. I just said that exactly the same <laughs> twice. 
It's Ubok or Ubok. Close enough. She's in Sister Act. And Waiting. Yeah. Jacob Vargas is Snake. He's the greatest, like, Mexican actor. He's like Hector in Fast and the Furious. Yeah, he's so cool. He's in everything. And then, yeah, that's that's pretty much uh, all worth mentioning in this one. Which actor or actress gives a passable performance? Does any non-lead character steal scenes? I got two. Of course. Jose... Augusto Rafael de la Parra. Uh, everyone just calls me Augie, though. Uh, I, I really like um, to sleep, and I like Nintendo. Like Nintendo, and I like. We have to go with Augie. I love Augie. Yeah, that that's mine. You can tell Jack oh. Black when you see him in early stuff. Yeah. You're like, this guy's a star. So during class introduction scene, and Mitchell gets up there, and he's like, that'll be style, like. He does this whole California thing, and then Augie's like falling behind him, like making fun. Of him. It's so funny. Get up. I have a few things to say. Could I add something, please? Uh, I think that the pretty boy Maharishi over here has been mixing a little bit of Drano with his fruit punch. I mean, does anyone here believe this uh, L.A. laid back? Horse food. This guy is peddling. I don't buy it. You big fruity two shoe. He is that guy who, no matter what you say or what you do, will always be there to try to get a laugh because he wants to be the center of attention. Yeah. Now, the preps also have their Super Mac. They're su- exactly. But I call him like the cheap Corey Haim. Yeah. Because he looks Corey Hamish, but he's very hammy or hamey, yeah. if you will, with it. <laughs> yep. Stuff like that. But oh my God, Augie steals it and Snake. My name is Snake. I don't like speech. I never even signed up for it. And I ain't got no hobbies, unless you call collecting knives and putting tattoos across the foreheads of guys I don't like. Hobbies. And I have a 1.1 GPA. This could have been a G-rated Disney movie. I would still think he murdered Mickey Mouse and the entire Disney family. Yeah, so Snake is this, um, like, gang member almost. He carries knives and he has tattoos and... When he gets up in front of the class, he says something like, My GPA is 1.3. Yeah. My hobbies include tattooing the names of something across the foreheads of guys I don't like. <laughs> and uh, But it's funny because the hockey team's like short members and they need someone to play. And Snake's like, I'll play out of left field. Cool. Thanks, Thanks man. Yeah. Yeah. So Snake is that one you would avoid at all costs. And the stories that you would hear in high school about Snake, yeah. you'd be like, Whoa. Snake's like the guy that when you go to school, you're like happy to have him on your team, but you almost like don't want him to come to practice and stuff because you're like, he makes it just makes me nervous to be around. Him. He is that guy that in the movie totally shows off the fact that it's character because when he goes over to Mitchell's house, they recruit him for Devil's Backbone. Yeah. His mom. Anybody want any Kool Aid? No, ma'am. No, thank you. <laughs> he's just that he's playing up the gimmick. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So mine was Augie. So he's the best, man. Let's get into best scenes. Find out what made a splash. It's class introductions. Yeah, I got that too. It's, it's awesome. so good. It's like, so Mitchell, I now from a logic perspective, I don't understand why they do this. Do they do this? Cause they have a new student. It seems like it's the first day of school, but it sure as hell isn't it's the not, first day Cause of there's school. snow on the ground Yeah, in Cincinnati. Wouldn't be snow on the ground until November, December. December. They do class introductions where everybody gets up, and for whatever reason, Jack gets to have Augie in his with his introductions. You uh, you don't really think surfing is a sport, do you? <laughs> it's not. Mm-mm. It's badminton, man. It's checkers. It's getting a suntan. You want to try a real sport? 
Why don't you try hockey? Yeah. As a matter of fact, man, we got a game today against the preps. That's right, against the preps. That's right. We've never beaten the preps. And I'm not graduating in May a loser. We're nobody's doormat. We're going to do it today. We're going to kick the preps' butt. Jimbo is going to be a sports announcer. Someday, the Jimbo is going to be a sports announcer. <laughs> Rosenblatt apparently cannot speak. Rosenblatt! Rosenblatt! And uh, so Wiley gets up there and says, Okay, well, you all know me. I'm the Wiley man. Ooh. Wiley Messner. You know me. We've talked. We've, we've met. We've spoken. Past each other in the halls. You used to beat me up, but I forgive you. Anyway, if you really want to know who Wiley Messner is, who I really am, I'm a hockey man. I live to play hockey. I play hockey to live. No, that's that's all I do. I mean, hockey is my life. I've got on hockey underwear right now. I, I have a hockey toothbrush. My dad drives a Zamboni. He gave me a puck. I'm a hockey man. The Wiley man, Wiley Messner. <laughs> and he said... Uh, I love it. He says that his, um, his dad gave him a puck. He drives a Zamboni. That's right, yeah. Mitchell... Is like the star of the show because he gets up there and he says, and all the women oogle him, and he doesn't care what he does when he grows up as long as he doesn't have a, have to wear a tie, then he'll be styling. <laughs> fucking Augie, I don't know what uh, Maharashi is saying here, but it looks like somebody's drinking the fruit punch. Yeah, he says, <laughs> he says some like somebody. Other than that, I don't know. Give me some um, Captain Crunch berries, a couple bean burritos, maybe an otter pop or two, and. Pistons Cheerios or something. I don't something. know what he says. It's and so good. But it's one of the best. We hear the best insult lines ever. Kevin, you know what it oh, is. After Mitchell walks away, he says some insult to Augie and Jack says. Something about his pants being yeah, too he tight says, or Yeah, and, uh, and Jack goes, what'd you say? Nothing, And he bro. says, I just was saying what a fine public speaker Augie was. And he goes, I'll bet you did. Pretty boy. Surfer. Pretty boy, surfer. The worst insult ever, pointing out the two things that are true about yes. him. Yeah, I, I don't understand what, why that was such a dig. It's like saying, like, handsome, engineer, or, like, <laughs> hot, fucks a lot. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. So hot, retail worker. <laughs> like, I mean... What? Like saying their profession. Yeah, really. Surfer. How's that an insult? Thanks, buddy. Cool. Awesome. But he did bring his surfboard to Cincinnati. Like, what did he expect to fucking surf he on? He did. It's not Geauga Lake. You ain't going on the wave on that, pal. Okay, so mine is the dream. Wake up, man. Wake up. What? I have to tell you something. Come on. Get up. Get up. Come on. What? I had this dream. There there was this wave, and dude, it, it was not this digital fart wave. This was the big Mugamba. I mean, the one you ain't getting another chance. Solar eclipse wave. And I was riding it, dude. I styling big time. Until I see this this Mondo shark. Made Joss look like a guppy, man. And his name was Peppy. 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 And he starts coming my way. But then he stops. And he looks me in the eye. And he says, in Spanish, no less. La ola es mia. I spoke Spanish in my dream, man. Because right away, I knew what he was saying. The wave is mine. The wave is mine. Oh, my God. The dream brings Mitchell so much clarity. You mentioned it previously about Pepe the shark. What is it? The Loe something is Mia? 
But oh, ask me. Oh, ask me. The wave is mine. Uh, he has oh, that. Ask me. He has so much clarity, and he has to tell it to Wiley. He's like, I know what I need to do now, because he just has this dream of the perfect wave. This is all he does. This he lives in Wiley's basement, and Wiley has the typical teenager, you know, girls with bikinis tattooed over the wall. Of course, like I just said, he brings a surfboard and he practices surfboard moves on Wiley's bed. Very weird. Yeah, very weird. So he has this dream, he has this clarity, and he knows what he needs to finally do, and he does it. The Wiley getting dressed for their double date. Hey, do you think that Gloria would go for the uh, alienated, misunderstood kind of walking on the fringe of society kind of look? Isn't that what you wear every day? All right, Mr. Smart Guy, Mr. GQ, help me pick something out. Well, let's see what you got. I'm too sexy for my love. Too sexy for my love. Love's going to leave. It's ridiculous. And then the horribly bad fake laughing. Yeah. So it's right said Fred. I'm too sexy, which was in every movie in Ugh. this four year window. Or and something. then what we learned from this podcast, Kevin, right said Fred, real piece of shit. Yeah. So basically Wiley's like got the most shampoo ever in his hair and he's talking to Mitchell from first off Wiley's bedroom is enormous. Wiley, I'm assuming, has like the basement for his bedroom. He's a massive basement. He has like 1,600 square foot room and he has all this cool stuff on his walls if you ever look closely. But he's saying, Mitchell, what should I wear on this date? And Mitchell's like, what do you got? So we hear, I'm too sexy. We get Wiley coming out as like a cowboy denim, like a Canadian tuxedo with cowboy hat, a hip hop grind dancer, another hip hop dancer, Hugh Hefner, Polly Shore, grunge Pippi Longstocking in a Slayer shirt. And it at the end of it, you hear Mitchell say, now Popeye, there was a great man. Jesus. Why? Because he never joined the hair club for men? No, because he is what he is. So I am what I am. Yeah. Popeye. Now there was a great man. Do you know why? Never joined the hair club for men? At wrong. Because his motto was, I am what I am. Do you think Popeye ever worried about what he wore just so he could get olive oil in the sack? I should say not, dude. And do you know why? He was gay. <laughs> because he is what he is. My next, the fight in the diner. Is that right, man? You afraid? You afraid of me? Think giving me a tough look, calling me a few names, putting sand in my locker is going to make me want to fight you. Well, you got another thing coming, man, because I could give two left testicles about you, your school, or your hockey game. I'm out of here in three months. Three months. You think I'm going to waste my time on you or anyone else? You ain't worth it, bro. No one here is. No one. Yeah. Oh, my God, dude. Which is, is the double date that Wiley was just getting ready for. Okay, typical, you know, you go on your first date. This had to have been his first date. Had to have been just by the way he acted. Even Nikki's friend. What's her name again? Gloria. Gloria. You could tell it was her first date, too. They don't Besides, she word. knows all the words to you ate my train. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever he says. <laughs> it's But it's such an awkward first date, and Mitchell and Nikki are carrying the whole thing. And then Jack shows up. Well, actually, no. The preps show up, yeah. chocolate stained Blaine. But it's the weirdest dichotomy throughout this whole movie. The whole time you want to go for Mitchell. And then every now and then you sprinkle it in, I like Jack. Then Jack heel turns real quick. Uh, Next do you scene like later, Jack at any point? There are moments I, I mean, don't in, mind in Jack. In this scene, when you really break it down, though, Mitchell sucks. 
Yeah, he's pretty like shitty. Every, I mean, but that's the point to set up the end of the movie. But everybody's like, Blaine is trying, is dancing, ruining her dates, dancing with Gloria. And he tries to be getting in the way. Pacifist yeah, hippie. And Mitchell is like, let's just get a basket of fries. Let's sit down. It's like, no, it's not going to work. And then Wiley gets hurt. And then it's like, Mitchell's just like, I'm not going to do anything. But at some point, you got to stand up for yourself. But then Wiley gets pissed because when Jack says, Nikki, we're leaving yeah. now. Wiley's like, you just let her leave. Yeah. And then Wiley at least has a gumption to go after Gloria. Yes, right. Meanwhile, Mitchell just stands there with that stupid pretty boy surfer look on his yep. face. The skate porn montage. So Mitchell and a bunch of locals skate some spots on rollerblades, BMX, and skateboards, which I Half will mention pipes, later. Yeah. yeah, they Mitchell pretty much puts on this show. He jumps a bunch of staircases. But to me, it was like... When I was like 11 or 12, that's the scene that made me want to like go get my rollerblades on and like go out on the street. This was the Rocky scene. Yeah. Let's train with Rocky. Yeah, exactly. All the it, kids. It really kind of like stands out because the rest of this movie doesn't have any of that. No, it doesn't. Just this weird little montage. Plus, Kevin, I would be remiss if I did not bring up the fact that my last favorite scene, and I'm pretty sure it might be yours, Devil's Backbone. Yeah, I have Devil's Backbone. And I have one more, but Devil's Backbone, the culmination at the end of the movie. Jack. Rules are, there are no rules, anything goes. Why don't we just start the race? And <laughs> she said three, two. The first team with three over the line wins. Racers set. It's so hard to explain because there's a lot of action. It's basically it's, action so shot after action shot. It's the preps challenge the crew, the school, whatever their names are, to this race at Devil's Backbone, which just from what people have provided online, <laughs> it's an eight mile downhill street race through traffic, through a parking deck, turns through, through a stadium, through a stadium. The first team with three people over the finish That's line the big wins. Thing. So it doesn't matter who's first. It's just three because the preps get two yes, first. Right. So three have to cross the finish line, which we see Mitchell end up launching himself. He gets lost somehow in trying to keep up. In the parking deck. He's in like fifth or sixth place, somewhere around there. Well, at one point, the twins launch him off the street. Yeah, too. right. So he gets launched. He launches himself off this parking deck. There happens to be this flatbed truck. Perfectly tilted like a ramp. It's got the back of it tilted up enough. So Mitchell jumps off the parking deck, slides down the ramp, which propels himself. But then he's head up against Blaine. All Blaine had to do was cross the yes. line. They win. Yeah. Blaine. They, nope. I'm going to take out Mitchell. Blaine tries to check Mitchell and that'll come up later. Blaine tries to check Mitchell. Mitchell ducks. Blaine flips over into the water. Mitchell goes back to get up Jack. Jack and they cross the finish line together, which is your Maverick Iceman. You can be my wingman anytime thing. Yes. You can be my wing time. Any man. <laughs> Mitchell and Nikki's rainforest date is my last one. Hey! Oh, the personal limousine. So Mitchell's ADD won't let him just enjoy this date. So Mitchell's out rollerblading. Nikki sees him and she's kind of like, what are you doing right now? 
And she's like, I want to show you something. She takes him to this indoor rainforest. Do they still have that up at the Cleveland Zoo? They do. Okay. Yeah, they do. So Mitchell's like listening to Nikki and they're naming plants and stuff, but it's like he keeps kind of wandering off. And the next thing you know, Nikki's like, where'd you go? And he's like, beep, beep. And he starts rollerblading past her in this, like his, like I said, his ADD won't let him just like stop and enjoy so his obnoxious. day. It's a show off thing. Yeah. That's all it is. Rollerblades through the paths, which they get kicked out. Again, we get to hear the Jeremy Jordan jam. I'm pretty sure that was the only Jeremy Jordan jam I can think of. All right. Let's, uh, let's get out of the pool and have ourselves a pool check. Pool check. For this week's Mount Crushmore, as I called it this week, we're going super difficult. Uh, it's this one's really hard because we're going to basically make our picks and I'm going to shit on your picks and then you shit on my picks, uh, whatever. Definitely going to drop a brick on your foot with your picks. So Mitchell Goosen doesn't appear on ours, I'm guessing. Nope. But we are doing the Mount Rushmore of athletes. No qualifiers, just broad spectrum athletes. So really, it's up to you personally to decide, does that mean like impressive athletic ability like Bo Jackson or Olympians or, you know, decathletes, or does that mean people who just made an important contribution to sport? So we're going to, we're going to get into it and we're going to find out who and why. First up on Mount Crushmore, not any order, Jackie Joyner Kersey. All right. Let me give you a little rundown about JJ. She's considered the all-time greatest athlete in heptathlon as well as the long jump. She won three gold medals, one silver, and two bronze Olympic medals in those two events at four different Olympic Games. She holds the world record in heptathlon along with the top six all-time best results, whilst her long jump record of 7.49 meters is second on the long jump list of all time. She has consistently maintained that she has competed throughout her career without performance-enhancing drugs. Jackie Joyner has entered my Mount Crushmore. So the right move to put a woman on, not because she's a woman, but because she's one of the greatest athletes. However, you put the wrong woman. And the reason why. Oh, I can't wait to hear this. Is because Jackie Joyner Kersey as a track athlete does not stack up against the men. Because like when you look at women's track, nothing wrong with it. It's just the fastest woman in the world. Her times are beat by like a hundred high school kids every year who are not professional runners. But still, here's the thing. She's not going against high school kids. She's going up people of her own class, her she own is. stature, and she fucking destroyed them. Well, I put a woman on mine and uh, the reason that I, the, I chose the woman I did is because when you put her head to head with the men, she's still just as good, probably better. It's Serena Williams. Greatest tennis player of all time. And it's an international sport. So not just the United States sport. One of the only sports where a woman is truly in the argument stacked against men. In most sports, like we take the greatest female basketball player of all time. You know, the greatest female track and field athlete of all time. They don't stack against the men. Roger Federer, who many would say is the greatest tennis player of all time. He himself said, no, Serena Williams is the greatest tennis player. Of How all many time. grand slams does Serena Williams? She's 23. Know. She's she one 23. shy of the all time record, but Margaret court holds, which is an appropriate name. She holds the record at 24, but that was not during was the open the era sixties. Yeah. The open era began in 68. 
Yeah, and Serena also has four gold medals. So four gold medals, 23 grand slams. I hope she gets two more, and then that way it's undisputed. Men, I think the highest number of grand slams for a man is 20. Betterer. Yeah, and Serena has 23. Hopefully she'll get a couple more. So I have Serena. See, here's the problem I have with that. She's a great athlete. She's a great one-sport athlete. See, this is where I differentiate. My next one is Jim Thorpe. Okay. Now, everybody knows about, if you don't know about Jim Thorpe, he's considered one of the most versatile athletes of modern sports. He won two Olympic gold medals at the 1912 Summer Olympics. Now, granted, it was a different time. Athletes are different back then, but still, he won in the classic pentathlon and the other in the decathlon. He also played American football, collegiate, and professional, and professional baseball and professional basketball. So he's a multi-sport athlete. Was the gold standard when it yeah, comes to modern athletics. There's not been anyone since Jim Thorpe that's been anything close. And the amazing thing too about Jim Thorpe at the time, early 20th century, he's also half Native American. Yeah. So he was a minority athlete in a very, very white dominated Olympic era. Yep. Mount Crushmore Jim. I'm looking forward to hearing afterwards what like your original list was or which original Oh, I I do have an original list I wrote. Michael Jordan. So it's possible that LeBron is better But Mike was first. Again, LeBron might be better, but Mike's responsible for the popularity, the current popularity of the NBA. Mike is responsible for the super teams era because why why did players form super teams in the NBA? For rings. Why do they want rings? Because Jordan had six. There are players with more rings than Jordan, but Jordan's got the six and a... The great thing about Jordan was people initially did not come to Chicago to be with Jordan. That team just fell into place yeah and in fairness that team is insane like they've got even the first three pete what an amazing team three hall of famers on there but yeah and they were playing against like mailman and stuff so there's a whole argument there but i i mean i think i have and and jordan's legacy as far as like sneakers it's a multi-billion dollar industry that changed everything and i picked jordan not just based on his accomplishments on the court michael jordan was like for a while, the most recognizable person on earth. People in every country Be in the like world. like Mike. Yes. One of the best commercial campaigns yep. by Gatorade of all time. Yep. So the, I got Jordan. The great thing about Jordan, too, like you said, he transcended the game. Speaking of Michael, I have a Michael on my list. Michael Johnson? Michael Phelps. Uh, okay, yeah. So I'm sticking with the Olympics. He is the most decorated Olympian of all time with 28 yeah. total medals. He has 23 Olympic gold medals in individual events. He won eight gold medals at the Beijing Games in 08. But yeah, I mean, you can't think Olympics without thinking Michael Phelps. Yeah, he's he's an absolute freak. A lot of people would not watch swimming, but when you knew Michael Phelps was on, he's like that bo- 08 Games, yeah. you couldn't take your fucking eyes off it. He's he would just born kill him. to swim. The guy's an absolute freak. He's a fucking dolphin. And when I put together, you know, I went from my heart and I was like, and I made a couple tweaks, but I was like, this is my list. Phelps was like my sixth spot. I have a really hard time leaving Phelps off because of his dominance over the Olympics. Only a few people have dominated the Olympics like Phelps, like Usain Bolt. Spitz. Yeah, Spitz. Like there's a handful who are just like, wow. And Mary then, Lou. Phelps has a female counterpart, Katie Ledecky. So, but yeah, Phelps was like an absolute, he's a fish. Maybe a controversial one, Tiger Woods. So Tiger isn't even arguably the greatest golfer of all time because you've Statistically. got- Nicholas. With 18 majors. Yeah. So, Nicholas, if you're going to pick a golfer, again, if you notice my theme, international sports, not U.S.-based sports. So, Nicholas probably goes on ahead of Tiger. 
Nicholas couldn't hold a candle to the legacy of Tiger and what he did for a sport. Because if Tiger doesn't happen, like we tried to go golfing today and we had a tee time and we just saw 20 carts waiting to tee off. There's no way. It's so busy and golf's popular. I mean, it's a popular recreational sport, but like young people started golfing because of Tiger. I got into golfing when I was 15 because I saw Tiger Woods win his third U.S. amateur title. Tiger, just, I mean, a minority. He was perfect. From 9702 was the most ridiculous, especially 2000. Yeah. I was there at Firestone and Akron at the NEC when he hit from 175 yards out to within two feet in the dark. Watching him in 2000, he won the U.S. Open by 15 shots at Pebble Beach. He was the only one under par. Yep, It was one of the most amazing rounds of golf I've ever seen in my life. And a golfer is not going to come around that will ever touch what Tiger has done. He ascended, in my opinion, to the Jordan like level and heights. And a few athletes do. Tiger Woods internationally recognized like for a while like you said around 2000 probably the most recognizable person on earth everybody knew tiger woods he you know with nike and everything and, and he went through a lot of personal struggles watch that tiger documentary on yeah, hbo wow. but like winning the masters a couple years ago like how crazy that it his talent is if not for the personal issues and the injuries then i don't even have to mention nicholas because i think tiger probably wins 20, 25, 30 majors. Well, it's the fact that not only his personal life fell apart, his back fell apart, his legs fell apart, comes back, wins the tournament, ties Sam Snead, comes back, wins the Masters, and then a couple months ago, flipped his car, broke both of his legs. Yeah, I mean, and I'm not denying, like, Jim Thorpe's contribution. Granted, there was no real footage of it. To sports, exactly. That's the problem. If they put Jim Thorpe on an athlete, Mount Rushmore, people are going to be like, who who is that? Yeah. Who's that guy? Tiger Woods, Michael Jordan, I know who they are. You know, you can't mistake it, can't deny it. And LeBron, I mean, I I don't know if you're going to mention, but like you swap out LeBron for Jordan, same effect. LeBron's probably your most recognizable face on earth now. I will always say you can't compare Jordan and LeBron because it's two different eras. Jordan was 6'6", 190. Yeah. LeBron is 6'8", 260, yeah. so it's it's a different and I, time. I hate the rings argument. Yeah, I, I don't like it but either. It's so dumb because there's players that have more rings than Jordan. And like, and when it comes to rings, wouldn't you rather have more opportunities to win rings? Like, Just because Jordan went 6-0, and oh, LeBron's been to, what, 11 finals or something? Mm-hmm. It's crazy. My last one stuck with the Olympics. I went, that was my gold standard, Carl Lewis. Okay. I went Carl Lewis, won nine Olympic gold medals, one Olympic silver medal, and 10 world championships. Remember, he set the world record in a 100-meter dash in 88. And during the course of his athletics career, he broke 10 seconds for the 100 meters 15 times and 20 seconds for the 200 meters 10 times. Now, just think about that. That's fucking quick. Then again, Bolt comes in with probably the best running name of all time. And the thing about Bolt, like I almost put Bolt on this list, but I put Carl Lewis over Bolt. And I love Usain Bolt. The amazing thing about Bolt, when he got like nine six nine, yeah. he let up in the oh, last yeah. five meters. Yep. Just to think what he did. But Carl Lewis, if it wasn't for Carl Lewis beforehand, I don't think you have Usain Bolt. Yeah. So I put Carl Lewis in that. I know it's kind of like, uh, but I try to stick with Olympic athletes See, that can do multiple events. All United States athletes. I did. Mount Rushmore is being built, actually, in the Dakotas. Yes, it is. All right. My final one, to me, is the the only one that has to be there. I don't care who puts the list together. If I go into this committee to decide who goes on, 
this is the one that I stomp and scream and there is no one is going to say no. It has to be. It's Gretzky. He's the most dominant and clear case for any single athlete. He has more assists alone than any player ever has goals plus assists. And assists are a secondary stat. You take the second best player, Gordy Howe or whoever, Gretzky is 20 times better than the second best player ever. There's no, there's no, like in every other sport. Okay, Jordan. Okay, LeBron. Baseball. There's 100 players. Football. Brady. Montana. Track. Carl Lewis. Michael Johnson. Usain Bolt. Whatever. Gretzky. That's it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear Lemieux. I don't want to hear Gordy Howe. There's a reason why people don't wear 99. Exactly. It's Gretzky. If you try and say there's someone better, you're high. He's the most single dominant athlete in a sport ever. But Kevin, he was on those Edmonton Oilers teams that were just stacked and it just helped that he was on such a great team. Yeah. But then you know what I throw at him? The 93 Kings. Yeah. Go to the Kings. Yeah. He and like St. Louis Blues. Yeah. And there's there's rules that have led up in hockey to allow players to score more. You've seen like these crazy seasons like Mogilny with the goals. A 95 goals. And no one's catching Gretzky in like any of these. Like I said, he has, he's not even known as like, you don't, when you think of Gretzky, you don't think like he was the greatest passer ever, but Gretzky has more assists than any other player ever has goals and assists combined. I was hoping you were going to say his brother who also played <laughs> professional hockey. That was like, fuck. Yeah, no. Wayne Gretzky. So with that said, Jim, if they allowed a fifth head if they were like well this doesn't have to be there's extra room on the rock yeah there's extra room who's the fifth head bo jackson so initially when i created this list i had bo tiger michael lebron that was michael and lebron michael and lebron see that's a lot of real estate for basketball it's a lot but that's what i put first i am shocked that you don't have lewis hamilton here's the reason lewis hamilton as you all know i'm a big formula one fan i love lewis hamilton He's tied Michael Schumacher all-time with seven world championships. He has the record for most wins at 97, most pole positions at 105, 106. It's crazy what he's doing. I understand racing. You have to be athletic. The amount of G-forces you take and at that amount of speed, you need to be in shape. However, I think when you look at other athletes, when it comes to more running involved, more physical nature, when it comes to their event or their sports, that's why I left off Lewis Hamilton. See, okay, if I would have planned better, I w- okay, maybe we'll do it quickly. I'm going to do a rapid fire. I'm going to name the sport. You tell me the greatest athlete in all the Oh, I like this. Okay, go. Hockey. Gretzky. Basketball. Jordan. Baseball. <sighs> Man, that is rough. Baseball. Babe okay. Ruth, Ted Williams. Gun to my head, I'm going to have to say... Jose Canseco. <laughs> Man, baseball Barry is so Bonds. Pete Rose. Okay. Racing. Let's wow, say, well, t- let's say F1. F1, I'd go Lewis over Michael Schumacher. NASCAR. Dale Earnhardt. I almost said Jeff Gordon because your wife loves <laughs> Jeff Gordon. She put, her, she put him on her Mount Rushmore. Yeah. Soccer. Oh, uh, oh man. Do you go pay? I'm going to go with Messi. Okay. See that? That one's like Messi. Pele, Messi, Ronaldo. Yeah, there's a handful of Ronaldo. Ronaldinho. Not Ronaldinho. (laughs) Sure. A fat Ronaldo. Yeah. Um, Guantimo Blanco. Yeah. Uh, What what sports are we missing? Uh, Olympics. Olympics. Just flat out Olympics. Phelps. Yeah. Football. What do you got? Football. Football of all time. Oh, man. I'd probably have to go. 
A lot of people would say Brady. Yeah. But Brady's had a line protecting him for a long time. See, and he's not the most agile. That's a tough argument. Yeah. If I wanted to go agility, even around both, then I'd probably have to say Barry Sanders. Yeah. I'd probably say Jim Brown. Yeah. My fifth, if they allowed a fifth head, was strategic. It was Tony Hawk. But it's okay. because, to me, Tony Hawk is the face of every other fringe or extreme sport. You think of this movie and... Yeah, so, like, if you put a fifth head, you put Tony Hawk. As far as I'm concerned, not fair. It covers BMX. It covers rollerblading. It covers motocross. It covers video games, too, pal. Yeah, it pretty much covers, like... Everything else on the peripheral. Tony Hawk's the face of that. The only thing that sucks, though, is if Tony Hawk walked into a skate park with kids nowadays and he's done it. And you go, do you yeah. know who I am? I don't, don't know, know who you are. Boxing. Boxing of all time. Muhammad Ali. It's Ali. Like the funny thing is everybody's going to say Ali. He's not that great of a boxer. Overall record. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to say Mayweather. Mayweather is. He's fought chumps. Exa- like he's, he's evaded. He has evaded people and he probably lost two fights. Then you know what? If I'm not going to, if we're going to say people who fought straight up, no bullshit, Evander Holyfield. Yeah. Real deal. Rocky Marciano. Yeah. Undefeated. Rocky um, Balboa. <laughs> fictional. <laughs> uh, so I, some of my honorable mentions, Tom Brady, but again, I left football off because it's just a, like, they play in a handful of other countries, but it's a yeah. U.S. sport. Yeah. And it's so hard. Like, you can't say a quarterback because the quarterback relies on receivers and, and a line. line That's why and stuff. I love Brady it's just hard. Jackie Robinson, because if you were going to put a baseball player on there, his impact on the game, I'm not mad at it. I mean, maybe he wasn't the, the greatest player, but he changed the game. So. He was the first. Pele for soccer. Babe Ruth for baseball. The only guy who would weigh 300 pounds, get fucking shit loaded, yep. wasted, and it hit 714 and runs. pitch. And then I had Phil- Phelps and Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali again for the cultural impact. His mama soccer. call him Clay. I call him Clay. Yeah. All right. I, anybody else? Anything else you want to mention? I think we for- covered all the bases. I do like that rapid fire thing, though. Yeah, that was that fun. We'll have to do that again next time. Let's get back in the pool. Everybody back in the pool. Critical question this week. Airborne is an example of a fish out of water movie. You take a California kid whose life revolves around surfing. You put him in Cincinnati where there's no surfing. What's the best fish out of water movie? First thing that comes to my mind is Back to the Future. That's the number one one of all time. Yeah, it's the first thing. It, it, he's hitting on his mom. He finds out it's his mom. His mom's trying to fuck him. Yeah. I mean, it's the best. Pretty much any time travel movie would qualify as a fish out of water movie because it's just how it works. Now, it's funny because... The first three that I wrote down off the top of my head all started with a B. Back to the Future, big Beverly Hills Cop. Because Beverly Hills okay. Cop, you take a Detroit inner city cop and you put him in. He threw him into a fucking window. Yeah, you put him in Beverly Hills. And in big, and a young kid ends up in a man by gets, a woman. gets laid. Yeah. Good for him. Josh Baskin. That moment where the woman realizes, hey, I fucked a kid. Hey, he was good. <laughs> but I get to be on top. <laughs> he was proportionate. All right, where's, uh, where's David McCall? It all could have been different, Mr. Walker. Should have allowed nature to take its course. Hey, Mr. Walker, I'm going to go to Devil's Backbone. Hey, Mr. Walker, I saw you on Devil's Backbone, motherfucker. Logic. I got a lot. I don't know <laughs> if you want me to go first. Uh, at the end of the race at Devil's Backbone, Blaine tries to check Mitchell. So Mitchell is skating along the barricade that, on a bridge. 
I guess this is a river or lake. I'm not sure what's there. It's right off of Old Riverfront Stadium. Yes. So Blaine tries to check Mitchell while he's on the edge of the road. Mitchell ducks and Blaine eats it. Flips over the barricade. What's maybe what? 20 foot drop? Yeah, 25, 30. Yeah. 20, 25, 30 drop. He's wearing all of his gear, his helmet, his wrist guards, his knee pads, his rollerblades. Does he not smack his face off the fucking bridge? Though? I think he does too. I think <laughs> when he flips, he hits his face. Yeah bounces out i think blaine dies because you never see him again like exactly we don't see anybody like oh my god we gotta fish this kid out of the water i would think it would be very i don't know how far he has to swim to get to a ladder or a beach or whatever he's in this water with his rollerblades and all his gear and his windbreaker and stuff it's like the windbreaker is gonna hold him down yeah like i'm just like this dude dies he straight up dies it was a great casting call for that kid to play blaine Mine is, you always hear about the mystique of Devil's Backbone. Wiley brings it up. How many races have occurred with Devil's Backbone? It's like when we did Tokyo Drift. How many people died down DK's mountain? How many people have seriously got fucked up on Devil's Backbone to have this kind of aura, this kind of mystique that this is the end-all, be-all, life-or-death race? Yeah, is this something that happens every year? And here's the thing. If the preps did win, okay. Well, okay. That's a big issue. That's an issue I have with this movie. So the preps challenge them once and for all. Yeah, you greasers. The preps won the ice hockey game, which, all right, another logic issue I'll bring up right here. The biathlon? The high school hockey game where Mitchell scores the own goal. Is that an officially sanctioned high school hockey game? First of all, it's an outdoor rink. Actually, in a nice outdoor rink, little arena. I mean, I played high school sports. You can't just modify your roster to allow people to play the day of the game. No, you can't. And look, I don't think Snake's wearing the same jersey and stuff. Like, is this is just a pickup game. So yeah. couldn't they just play the preps every week? I just find it also weird that hockey is such a big yes. sport in Cincinnati right. that Who, does not have any hockey no, team no, whatsoever. Not in proximity to another team that now, does. Now, this was Pittsburgh. Yes. Okay. All I right. get it. Yes. Not Cincinnati. No. Why did they pick Cincinnati? No so, idea. None of these are school functions, I'm convinced. So speaking of the ice hockey, I have a couple things about this ice hockey. Pretty much all my logic revolves <laughs> around this one ice hockey game where the two kids put x-lax in the teacher's coffee they can't play we never see them again no never they're never dead. saw them in the first place they're dead guess what what pico and freddie just got caught putting x-lax in mrs crowen's coffee man i bet they get life in detention better count them out for the game snake joins the team mitchell and wiley join the team mitchell fucking <laughs> hits this slap shot at augie and he, he fucking celebrates it's the wrong goal he scores an own goal does he fucking die Because after the game, Mitchell scores, Jack gets like a full head of steam, going 50 miles per hour on skates. Full concussion. Spears Mitchell, full on, full blown, like grade four concussion. Yeah, his head snaps. And he just lays there on the ice where he maybe hallucinates a bunch of people talking to him or maybe actually sees them. I don't know. I mean, this is like... The hit of hits, like career-ending hit. Yeah, it is one of those hits that just happened in the NHL playoffs, first round. And how long is he there? I would four hours. I would love it if it was nightfall and then he wakes up. He lays on the ice for four hours. Would have made more sense if he would have woke up in the hospital. Yeah, because any other normal human being would be waking up in an ER. Exactly. Like, wouldn't Wiley be like? 
call his parents and come get Mitchell. But then again, that would have taken a movie another way because Jack put Mitchell in the hospital. Again, yeah. So then speaking of the hockey game, Mitchell gets in the ice. He has no idea that he just shot at the wrong goal. But yet, when he gets his rollerblades and he goes plays street hockey, he's fucking sweet. This is what I don't get. How is he so horrible at ice hockey but so great at roller hockey? I was just going to ask the same thing. Is it normal for people who know how to roller skate to be able to ice skate? It's different. It is. I can imagine it's different. It is different, but it's not worlds apart different. No. I mean, to me, if you were really good at ice hockey, it wouldn't be all that hard to pick up Figure the skating. out the mechanics. And yeah. if you're really good at roller hockey, like Mitchell, it wouldn't be that hard. Like he understands how hockey's played apparently when we see him in roller hockey. So it doesn't make sense that he scored the wrong goal because for some reason, he doesn't understand the rules on ice, but he understands the rules on rollerblades. I don't know. He's like rollerblade Gretzky, but then he's like Gretzky's brother on ice. All right. The rollerblade scene that you brought up yeah. where all the kids are joining along. First off, if I have kids in my front yard and they see just some random guy rollerblading down the street, we're going to chase after that guy. We're going to have fun. I'm not allowing that to happen. No. I don't trust a kid on rollerblades in Cincinnati. That kid has to have some sort of People know about this Mitchell kid because he sticks out like a sore thumb yes, in that town. Yes. And all of a sudden, he's doing fucking tricks on rollerblades well, downstairs. I don't understand. All these kids from the hockey team hate him. Guess what, Moondoggy? Cute little earring. I'm going to do everybody a big favor, save a little time, and just kick your little butt right now and teach you that you don't mess around with other people's property. But, like, how many kids live where they live? Because there's a whole gang of people that follow him. How are none of them kids from the hockey team? I have no idea why. And like no one hears word of mouth. Like, holy shit, this kid X game gold medal is good. But I don't understand why the hockey game just had so much fucking weight to it. Yeah, right. It don't makes no sense. So here's a little bit of like stream of consciousness logic. Who sent Ro Mitchell's rollerblades in the mail? It's never revealed. His parents are in Australia. Are in Australia. So Mitchell gets this package. Like Wiley's mom's like, Mitchell, something came in the mail for you. And Wiley's like, what's that? And Mitchell says something I never should have forgotten in the first place. Who sent the rollerblades? They could have had a throwaway scene where maybe Mitchell had a best friend where he called him and said, hey, can you send me these? Okay. Something. So then that leads me to my next point. So maybe someone was watching the house who sent them the rollerblades because Mitchell said, told his parents, hey, I forgot the rollerblades when he talked to him. And then they told the housekeeper. But if somebody's watching the house, couldn't Mitchell have just stayed home and not went to Cincinnati? Yeah, why not? And so speaking of that, how old do you think Mitchell is? I'm thinking 17. Okay. Not 18, because at 18, then you could be, you know, don't need a guardian around. Well, that, and that's what I'm asking. So if Mitchell's 16, 17, I mean, six months, pretty long time to be solo. So like I could see. His, I would even say he was 18 too. I, I mean, would he's see older. His parents being like, hey, we don't want you to stay home for six months by yourself. So you got to go. But I just, depending on his age, there's almost an argument like where he could have Stayed with a friend for six months? Or stay with the fucking neighbors. Stayed with the neighbors. Something. Or have that. Just stay at home. Have the neighbors check on him. Yeah. Or because Mitchell has friends. At the first scene of the movie, we see him surfing with some people yeah. and stuff. He has friends where he's not going to be totally alone for six months. He doesn't necessarily seem like a, um, like he wouldn't go to school and stuff. Maybe his parents were like afraid that if they left him at home, maybe he wouldn't go to school or do his homework. Or yeah. Something. He didn't seem like that. The other thing that doesn't make sense too is he goes to Cincinnati 
And it seems like that, you know, Wiley and his parents, especially his parents, have never corresponded with yeah. Mitchell or had no idea what he's into because yes. they are just shocked. There is some time logic in this movie. So Mitchell is getting sent to Cincinnati for six months. He gets sent there in approximately December, January. So that means he should be graduating from that high school in Cincinnati. Probably. Yeah. So, but my question is, why can't he then, after school's over, why can't he go to Australia? Because his parents can't wire him money or something. That's what I mean. They can't just buy him a plane ticket and fly him to, to Australia because they definitely have the means to pull it off. Unless the only way it's just based on the snow. So, I mean, it could snow in October and then six months puts you to the end of the school year. So we see the montage of him getting like them messing with him and stuff. But then at the restaurant, when he's like, I'm out of here in three months, I three months, bra. Yeah. So I don't know that the time actually lines up correctly. To- it's got to be off. I agree. But again, if <laughs> if it's not six months, his parents should let him go to Australia and live there for a month because the dude's whole life is surfing the South Pacific coast. Like he's never had Australia. It. He has never had a job. No, he never, never. will. No, he's, he's going to be a beach bomb. He's a fucking scumbag. All right. Any other logic you want to mention? Shit, no. Okay. Stick around for some plugs. I once knew this real badass who was always fighting over waves. Anyone ever came near a wave he was on, he'd go berserk, Looney Tunes. He'd fight him right there. Didn't matter how big the guy was, he didn't care. Real head case. Anyway, one day he comes across this kid on a boogie board who has the nerve to be on his way. So he says to himself, hey, I'm gonna teach this kid a lesson. Scare him. So he surfs on over to him, only he gets too close. And the skags on the board slice into the kid's head. There's blood everywhere. Kid nearly drowned. Is he all right? Yeah. Only he's got this scar on the side of his head. Well, what happened to the surfer? He's living in Cincinnati. Once again, pool sceners, thank you for checking out the pod this week. Remember, if you want to know what's going on, any updates, any exciting things coming around the corner, check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Pool Scene Podcast. Also, at Pool Scene Pod on the Twitter. Also, if you want to drop us a line, send us an email at Pool Scene Podcast at gmail.com. Any movie ideas. We have some amazing movies coming up. If there's a movie you want us to cover, let us know. You're on the journey with us. And now back to Kevin. As I always say, we, when I make notes for these movies, I don't know why I do it. Just something stupid. I decide to give the, I I don't name the episode. So like last week when we did ghost, it wasn't in my phone as ghost. It was spooky Sam's revenge. (laughs) And this week my, it's not in my phone is airborne. It's Cincinnati hockey rollerblade massacre. So I I don't know if, if we ever do a Patreon or anything, or I'll start releasing the word titles, just show notes. It'll be fun. Uh, so with that said, this is the waste of time. That would be a waste of time. Thanks, Anthony. So something that was just on my mind because this is the waste of time and I can talk about anything I want. How and why did Kevin Bacon, spoiler alert, play the villain in two whitewater rafting movies just seven years apart? He's in, I remember the one. He's in Whitewater Summer in 1987. I remember that one. That's a fucking awesome movie. It's been a long time since I've seen it. And then he's in The River Wild in 1994 where Meryl Streep and her family go on a whitewater rafting trip 
trip where they're meeting up with another family and some um, whitewater rafting guides who the whitewater rafting guides turn out to be criminals. John C. Riley, Kevin Bacon. At the end of the movie, Meryl Streep shoots Kevin Bacon, who then just like gets taken away in the rapids. Never seen Kevin Bacon as a heel. I just don't see it. He's it's a rough. heel in a bunch of stuff. He is. Well, He's Hollow Man. Hollow Man, X-Men, First Class. He's the bad guy. Technically the bad guy in Footloose, depending <laughs> on who you look <laughs> Depending on if you hate dancing. Yeah. So I just, it's weird. It's just weird why he was like, hey, Kevin, we're, we're writing this whitewater rafting movie. We want you to be villain. Fucking I'm like, in. He's like, wait, I did that already. And then he's like, sure, why not? I just, it's just weird that it was like, that's a weird thing to get typecast as. Why of all know, people? Whitewater Kevin rafting Bacon. villain. Kevin Bacon. But uh, Whitewater Summer is a fucking cool movie because um, Sean Astin's in it and basically he's weak. His parents see him as like awkward and like He's nerdy. Mikey from the Goonies. He's Mikey from the Goonies. And they're like, they're convinced that if they send him on this like whitewater rafting trip, it'll turn him into a man. And Kevin Bacon's like a fucking psycho. He holds the one kid out over a cliff. That's right. And then Mikey, well, I'm just going to call Mikey, <laughs> like Sean Astin. Rudy. There's a part where there's like a crevice in the mountain and they have to, you know, whatever you do in mountain climbing and swing, like rappel past the gap. And Mikey doesn't. He swings out and doesn't swing far enough. So he's just dangling over the over the gap. And Kevin Bacon just leaves him. He's like, no, we're just leaving him. He'll figure it out. They just leave this kid dangling from a rope over there's a gap on a mountain. The coolest scene in that movie, the most memorable scene, Kevin Bacon gets a gnarly compound fracture of his leg. I remember that. And the kids have to like bundle him up, get him into the canoe and stuff so they can get down the river. A lot of foreshadowing, or I should say allegory, when it comes to that in the movie Heavyweights. When they go out on the fucking hike with Uncle Tony and Uncle Tony breaks his legs. Yeah. <laughs> the whole setup. There's a lot of cool like camping and stuff movies. Like, uh, what's that one with... Harry and the Hendersons? Harry and the Hendersons. What's the one with... Uh, why am I drawing a blank? The guy from Home Alone. One of the wet Macaulay. bandits. Oh, oh, Daniel Stern Bushwhacked. Bushwhacked. That's yeah. right. Where he's... Uh, not qualified to leave like lead a camping troop, but he does it anyway. Another great Sean Astin movie that's very, very fucking underrated. Toys, Lord of the Rings. No, Toy Soldiers. Yeah, where I, that prep school get picked up by terrorists and they got to fight off the terrorists. Watch that because I don't remember Toy Soldiers. 1991. Well, we remember the song. Yeah. Not that related yeah, to that Martika. movie at all. Picked up some more toys for the toy room, more wrestling figs. Met the boys from the Major Wrestling Figure podcast. Kind of became a little bit of a local celebrity. People think I look like Nick Gage. I'm very fucking insulted by that <laughs> because I do not look like a meth head you look who's like, in like deathmatch wrestling. You look like the before of the faces of meth. Nick Gage, like. <laughs> I'm step two in meth. Yeah. Boy, okay. I'm progressing great when it comes to becoming 40. Faces of meth is scary stuff. Don't yeah. ever look at that. You see like... Hey, here's this person, 33 years old, and then it's like a year apart. Goldberg from the Mighty Ducks. Yeah. There's true. the perfect example. Well, there's this girl, you know, when I used to work at this this retail store, and uh, she's come in, and we'd see her ID, and it'd say she was like 33 years old. And I'm like, she looks 60. And like the one kid that worked there was like, she's just really went downhill in a year or whatever. But the one day she's in the store, she has like a large amount of blood just pouring out oh, of her ear. Fuck. And she's just sitting there like grooving like to whatever music's playing. And she's just got blood pouring out. Yeah, it's like when you stick a, what's the thing called that you hammer into a tree so the sap comes out or water comes out of a tree, like a spigot into a yeah. tree. And she's got blood coming. And it's meth terrifying. Yeah. Terrifying. Not meth, but we might 
That's a weird trend. We might get hyped up the way you would on meth. We want to get methed up. We're not going to get methed up, but we're going to be naturally as high as we would be on meth. Next week, when we see the action and thrills of F9, which is... Is that the worst title in the franchise? Okay, so we had Fast and Furious, Too Fast, Too Furious, The Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift, Fast and Furious, Fast Five, Fast and Furious 6, Furious 7, Fate of the Furious. F9. F9, it's come to a point where they're just like, fuck it. What are they going to call 10? 10. That's <laughs> this fucking... Fuck time car movie. We're excited. It'll be our first ever spoiler cast. Yes. So it's going to be a Swim yeah, series never, episode. I hope that you still listen to this because we're, we're asking a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you may not like Fast and Furious. And you may not want the new one spoiled, so but we're gonna do it as a swim meet series. If you don't want to listen to it, then I guess we'll skip a week before the um, deep end the episode, deep end season finale. But next week, as a warning, we will be doing. We're gonna go see F nine at the theater. Come back and immediately record our podcast. Our podcast. I'm excited for this, man. I am fucking jazzed. Yeah. So I, I got. I told Jim I got a spoiler. Like I try to avoid. Spo- I don't want to know anything. I know nothing. I don't want to. I don't want to see trailers. I don't want to like. I was on HBO Max yesterday and it was like Fast and Furious first look, and I'm like, no, I don't want any first. Look. I don't want to see anything. Nothing. I saw on Facebook. Cardi B's in it and she's returning for the 10th movie. I was like, don't show me that. Like, I don't even want to know that. I don't even know who's in it, but Cardi B will she probably end up for Nas. She's Brian's sister. All right. Well, until next week, it's time to queue up the Jeremy Jordan, Kevin. I'm excited about that. We'll, uh, we'll pick you up in our personal limousine. Shower you with roses. We'll wine and dine you. Then 69, 69 you. <laughs> if that's what it takes to prove to you. Yeah. All right. Silencia. So